another episode of Talking Maiden. The podcast of the beast. So Nesbitt, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. I can't wait for the trip. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. Oh, it's an epic, epic one today. We're yep. starting Seventh Son. Finally doing Seventh Son. Yeah, and right you've now. and you've got a stack of notes. Yeah, I would say this is both of our top one. It, this is an album that is probably in both of our top, what, definitely top five, top three. I don't know. It's been my favorite for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. It's my favorite because it's so campy and easy and simple to get into. And, you know, I always considered it up there with Power Slave. But Power Slave, some songs got overplayed, specifically early on in the album. So I just always found this one like a relaxing, awesome album to lean into. Yeah. And I think we've talked about it on the podcast that it's always been one I recommend to people. So, man, I'm pumped. I, not only that, I know a fair bit about this album. Yeah. Um, no, it, uh, I forgot how much I love this album until, like, this past week. I just yeah. listened to it on repeat. Yeah. And there's, like, a whole bunch of parts of this album. I totally, like, forgot how much I love. Yeah. It's just great. Yeah, this, the um, tour set list, the tour live concert bootleg, um, the Sarajevo, and I'm still on a Final Frontier kick. Those have just been dominating my podcast. Yeah, I've listened to that Sarajevo yeah. soundtrack a lot, too, Yeah, since that came out. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. But those are the set lists I'm flying through right now. Yep. I've been listening to um, A Matter of Life and Death at the Gym as well. You know what I listen yeah. to is... Uh, you know, Kill Switch Engage is opening for Maiden. I do. So I looked online and found out what their set list that they're playing as the opener. And I downloaded the last three or four songs. Or I think it's the last five songs. And I listened to it through a bunch of times trying to get myself like into you know mindset to enjoy them. I don't think I'm going to enjoy yeah. them. I don't like the singing, man. I can't do these like screaming bands that like have those kind of vocals. Yeah. The music behind it is pretty good. And uh, one cool thing is they uh, they close with a cover of Holy Diver by Dio. Yeah. So I wouldn't mind I checking that, that out. I, I love that too, man. <laughs> yeah. So that would be pretty cool. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I don't want to love the opening band, though, because I want to get focused yeah. on the main show. And yeah. then make sure we have our right beers and yeah. everything is perfect. I had a feeling that if I listened to them a bit, maybe mm. the songs would grow on me and then I'd want to see them. But uh, I just can't get into it. I don't know. That's not my type of thing. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I they think could I'm... have done better choosing a Maiden opening band for, you know, Maiden fans. Yeah. I don't know if, like, I don't know anything about Killswitch Engage, so I don't know, like, what their audience demographic is like as far as, like, who listens to them. Mm. But that's not me. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like, I don't know, willy-nilly as they pick the opener, you know? Yeah. Oh, or know. is anyone on there related to something? <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I won't get down that rabbit we hole. We didn't get any, any of yeah. uh, Steve Harris's kids, so. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, they definitely could do better. But to be honest with you, I don't really care about the opening band. Yeah, it, yeah, I know. I do. Yeah. I sometimes I do. Like when I saw it in 2012, Alice Cooper opened for them. Yeah, and that was awesome. It was like a second bonus mini concert. It is, Maiden. but also at the same time, like Maiden concerts are never long enough. But I don't want a concert before it. You know, like let's be honest. I mean, you know, there's all day the anticipation. You're playing up. You're like trying to chill out, and then you're going to the to the pre-show, and there's warm-up tunes. You don't want to go there and then like rock out for 30 minutes before Maiden. Like that will take a lot of. I don't know. I, I, I don't if it's know. a good band, I love it. <laughs> so before we get into Seventh Son, yeah, we uh, we, we have, have a beer. beer. This is uh, Tom Green Summer Stout. <laughs> blonde milk stout so in case anyone doesn't know who tom green was tom green. star of uh community access ontario tv and also later he, mtv he, didn't he do those <laughs> movies where he'd go around and just do ridiculous stuff like eat counters and 
Remember yeah, that stuff? Yeah, the Tom Green show was yeah. awesome. I loved the Tom was, Green show. It was good, but also kind of ridiculous. My favorite one was, <laughs> it was when good he, and ridiculous. Good, he went to the. It was in Toronto. One of my favorite skits, and I thought it was just genius. He went to Toronto, and he uh, there was a guy going around giving out t- parking tickets. And he was like running ahead and putting quarters in the meter. And eventually the guy starts chasing him down the street. And That's he's like, like the least crazy thing he's done. <laughs> I know, but it was so He also drinks so milk straight out of a cow. <laughs> oh, yeah, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Humped a dead moose. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. By the way, there's a, uh, a cat yes. here today, in case you can hear that. I'm watching a cat. <laughs> Josh is cat sitting. So if you hear uh, a cat, cat in the background. This will be like that episode we did at the cabin that had the wood stove crackling in the background. So <laughs> yeah, the cat this time. Yes, and then everyone will be like, bring back the pussycat. That was an excellent episode. <laughs> All right. So this is, a yeah, Bose Brewing Company. Uh, this will be on the website in our mm. beer list page. Tom Green Summer Stout. So. Do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers. <sighs> See what this Tom Green beer is all about. Yeah, does it taste like milk straight from the cow? <laughs> I love Tom Green. I, I used to love his show. So, mm. uh, how's mm. it taste? Oh, that's interesting. What is this? It's called a summer stout. Milk stout? But it says a stout blonde, so I don't know what that means. It must taste like a sweet wheat beer, doesn't it? It's nice, though. It has a creaminess of a stout, though. This is really good. It does it? Yeah, it is good. It's not anything like I was expecting it. <laughs> it's the creaminess of unpasteurized raw cow milk straight from the teat. It <laughs> mm, is nice. That's good. I'd definitely buy that again. Oh, dear. It's going to go down fast. <laughs> so, Seventh Son, Seventh Son, Seventh Studio Album. Yep. Maiden's Seventh Album. Some people would say their best album. One yes. of their best albums, I think. They really like solidified themselves as like one of the biggest metal bands with this album and this tour. Mm-hmm. They were like riding a high, and then this album came out. And uh, I think it's like pretty unusual to be hitting such a high level at like at your seventh album. Like if you think of other albums that are seventh by other bands, like Led Zeppelin had Presence, which mm-hmm. I know that's way past peak Zeppelin. Ooh, interesting you brought that up. Presence and After, I don't consider actual maiden i just have the first six on vinyl all actual zeppelin six. you mean yeah there's zeppelin i just don't listen to them yeah they're still zeppelin yeah that's though. when it started to get radio playish and garbage yeah it has my favorite zeppelin track which i mentioned before achilles last stand yeah that's excellent but, uh, the rest of it yeah it's all right there's some decent songs on there that's zeppelin's seventh album and yeah. no one would ever say that's their best album so no. they're yeah and then sabbath was into like te- i know you don't like sabbath but they had like, like technical ecstasy album was their seventh yeah Way past their prime, too. Yeah, and Metallica was into, like, Reload. A lot of people say that like, Metallica was way past their prime by then. Although, Unforgiven 2, Fuel, Memory Remains, and Fixer, they're decent songs on there, but everyone would agree that the prime Metallica was before that. Yeah. Seven albums is a lot. Most, most yeah. bands never get near it. Judas Priest got to Point of Entry, which was, I think that was when they tried to go, like, radio-friendly. Yeah. That was, like, other classic albums were behind them by then, I think. Well, they had some decent ones since. But uh, that's not a strong one, you know. So for Maiden to hit an album this good on their seventh, I know. But not only that, they've done so many since which I would also consider excellent. Yeah, has there anyone is done like, a good seventh album? But people or look, after uh, Danzig had. Uh, oh, Danzig, of course. <laughs> e Lucifer. What about I the Beatles? What about the Beatles? <laughs> Kiss the skull on it. Yeah. But uh, you know, Kiss had Dynasty. Yeah. <laughs> which if you're into like disco-y funky music although it had 2000 man that's not 
what I would call prime Kiss either. No. Although I do like that album. Like, everyone agrees that Seventh Son is like one of Maiden's classic albums. And yes. for them to hit that on their seventh album, I think, is pretty cool. That's pretty impressive. It's pretty, yeah. That's pretty hard to do. Like, they didn't have a weak album up to this. They were just like building and building and building. Yeah. So this came out April 11th, 1988. Mm-hmm. So... Th- the other stuff that was on the go, 1988, Metallica had Justice for All. It's a classic. Queensryche had Operation Mindcrime, which is like another, which is like a concept, a full-on concept album, which I don't really like, but the, like critics seem to think it's awesome. Yeah. Danzig's first album came out. Guns N' Roses had Guns GNR Lies. Slayer had South of Heaven. Soundgarden had Ultra Mega OK. Jane's Addiction had Nothing Shocking. So it was a lot of good albums in 1988. So yeah, that's basically what was going on. In music, as far as like bands that I like at the oh. time, 1988. It's yeah, a good year. So I'm going to back up a bit. You left out one thing. What's that? 1988 was the fo- Grand Falls, Windsor was the forestry capital of Canada. There you go. <laughs> so I'm going to back it up a bit from 1988 yeah. to coming off the Power Slave tour. So this is an, like two albums before this album. Yep. When we did the Somewhere in Time album, we went through this, but I'll just go do a really super quick recap. So they came off Power Slave Tour. That was like a crazy tour. It was like 331 days, 189 gigs. Or was it 192, Nesbitt? I remember there was some controversy. <laughs> there was a contra- controversy. Controversy. <laughs> there was a controversy. But basically they came out. Bruce was like super burnt out from being on the road. And when they wrote Somewhere in Time, Bruce had no writing credits. So yes. he, remember, he, had, he just basically came up, showed up, And he was the singer. So he had a bunch of stuff written, but it was acoustic sounding. So in that that book, Run to the Hills by Mick Wall, he says, uh, there's a quote from Bruce. He says, I went off into acoustic world and I wanted to do almost like an unplugged record for the next Iron Maiden album. So he brought these acoustic songs in. Steve Harris shut them down. He was like, no way. That's that's not Maiden at all. And then he basically just showed up and sang the songs. And remember, Adrian kind of stepped up with writing credits. So he had no writing credits at all on Somewhere in Time. Bruce yep. didn't. After Somewhere in Time album and the tour, Steve Harris came to him about a concept album. Yep. And then Steve, uh, like Bruce was like super enthusiastic, like really picked it up again. So he had this like lull. So Bruce, I have another quote. He said, Somewhere in Time is a transitional album, not quite fully formed. Seventh Son is much more of a definitive statement. So this was like a return to, like in full form for Bruce Dickinson, like as far as like writing and contributing. And uh, even, like, Dave Murray stepped up and wrote a song, too. So, like, if you look at the writing credits, there's, like, Adrian has three, Dave has one, Bruce has four, and Harris has seven. And three yep. of them are solo Harris. So it's, like, a lot of people contributing. Absolutely. So they're back to, like, full form as far as writing goes after somewhere in time where Bruce, like, really didn't contribute at all. Yeah, so he felt that um, he... I think I, think I read a quote where he basically said he felt like he was just a lead singer and he wasn't really involved in the concepts. Right. And then um, Seventh Son comes along and he gets engaged pretty early. Seventh album, Seventh Son, Seventh Son, and then all the concepts came together. Right. So basically what happened is Steve Harris reads this book, which I have here. This is The Seventh Son by Orson Scott Card, which I read last week. Does it? Is it? Other than the title, is I'll get into it, it, yeah. it eventually. I'm uh, gonna read the book. Is I'm... this gonna turn into an audio book? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. I'll talk about that in, in a minute. But yeah, so two things happened. He read this book, yeah. and this uh, this woman Doris Stokes died, and she was this like famous psychic and medium who talked to like dead people, and she wrote a book that sold like two million copies, and she was on TV all the time. So like 
She was like a household name in the 60s and 70s in England. Kind of how like, uh, remember Ravine when we were kids yeah. in Canada and like Kreskin? She was like, yeah. she was like famous like that. So she died from a brain tumor in 1987. And then Steve Harris kept wondering if like she could have foreseen her own death. Ooh. So that's kind of where he got the idea so that kind of, of set him off writing the, that song, The Clairvoyant. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a level of clairvoyance that yeah. one would wish to have. And then he read this uh, Orson Scott Card novel, The Seventh Son, which I just finished yeah. reading. I don't think the album's really like based on it, but like the you can tell the concepts are kind of from there. And there's a lot of uh, similarities, like the, the father is the seventh son, and then there's a lot of battling for good and evil over the son of the seventh son, the seventh son of the seventh son, trying to kill him before he's born. Trying yep. to kill the mother before the seventh son's born. I know there's a lot of like tie-ins with like there's an older brother who it had like you know how in the song it says uh, hear the birth from an unbroken line. Yes. So the seventh son, one of them can't, one of the sons can't die, or it's a broken line. Yeah. So in this, one of the older brothers is trying to is trying to be killed by this force, but he stays alive long enough, just enough till the seventh son of the seventh son is born. Yeah, and then he dies so that's where the whole like, like by, by his own <laughs> like is he like i gotta stay along live enough to impregnate someone no like, no <laughs> no what are we talking about well the, like one of the yeah. older brothers of the yeah. seventh son yes oh so you, all seven of them have to be alive for it to be a seventh son right if one oh, dies okay. and then another one's born it's a broken line oh, so okay. the the old yeah one of the older brothers like is dying and holds on long enough for the seventh son to be born so he dies when just after the seventh son's born and that's the whole thing about like you know there's that line like one more dies one more lives one baby cries one mother grieves yes so that's basically what happened is like one brother uh, died but he so there's like a death and a birth i miss that reading the book there's a lot of stuff kind of hmm. it doesn't really explain it but you can see where they kind of got it from and there's like two of the older brothers are twins so it's like the twins, they are exhausted. Seven is the night. You know that line? Yeah. So there are twins in there. And there's a, the part about the birth strangled babe. Yeah. The, bo- the baby's born with like this flap of skin called a call over his face so he can't breathe. So they like pull him out. And so there's yeah. a lot a lot of like stuff from Moonchild specifically. Yeah. So it's mostly Moonchild that has like stuff from this novel in it. Yeah. But uh, which is strange because like that's one of the songs that Steve Harris doesn't have a writing credit on. And he's the one that read this book. So I don't know. It's weird. I don't know mm-hmm. if they all got together and talked about it or something. Interesting. But uh, that's... Anyway, so Bruce and Steve came up with this concept for the for the concept album. So I'd say they were kind of like inspired by this book. It's a cool looking book too. It. Yeah. And then I don't know how much of the rest of the album because is, is based on this because it's a series of books. It's called like the Tales of Alvin Maker Book One. When, I'm not going to read them all. There's like six of them, and there's like a seventh one still to come. Yes, but I used to think you were diligent for the <laughs> podcast, but now I'm starting to I'm starting to question your. So commitment. I read the one called Seven Son. Yeah, you just skip the first six. And no, th- that is the first one. Oh, that's the first one. And the next six, I'm like, I'm not going to read all the you're books. Not gonna, just going to read them. <laughs> Although it was a pretty good book, I was just going to read it just to see the mate how it tied into Maiden. It's a decent book, but then I thought if there was three, maybe I'd read the rest. But I've had like a big stack of books at home. I have Sebastian Bach's biography to read next. So. Oh my god! <laughs> I have a big you, stack of books. You read a lot of books? I, yeah, I read a lot. I read like thirty or 
40 a year. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I don't read that many. I can't read a lot. Yeah. Uh, no, they're not all novels. A lot of yeah. them are like a biography on Iron Maiden. <laughs> a lot of them like are a, Iron Maiden <laughs> books. Yeah, or like one of the guys in Kiss writes a book and I read that. Or, you know what I mean? But they're like, yeah. they're quick reads. It's not like I'm, I have a stack of like 40 novels I plow through. It's just like... I'm a, I, I read like I'm a web article reader as you know by what I send yeah. you like I've got my five or six newspapers I read religiously yeah and then I've gotten into audiobooks so I'm listening to yeah. uh, Anthony Bourdain that's yeah. awesome yeah that audiobook is deadly yeah like yeah. Kitchen Confidential is there a Seventh Son audiobook there probably is yeah anyway it's you're gonna, a, you're gonna yeah. give me the, you're gonna give me the Coles notes here. Yeah, I I'll pretty much gave test. you uh, all that you need to know, yeah. Maiden related from that book. There you so go. it's kind of a cool book, but there's a lot of like battling of good and evil over this kid. And like evil forces and good forces trying to get him to sweat, you know, go one way or the other, which yeah. is kind of what this whole album's about. So uh, you can see where they're inspired by it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this Door Stokes thing led to the Clairvoyant, which is the first song that was written by yeah. Steve Harris solo. Then him and Bruce wrote the Seventh Son, the song. Yeah. And that's when they kind of decided to do like a full concept album. So Bruce says it started off as a full concept album, but they kind of went off on tangents. Yep. So I quote here from Bruce and he says, uh, it got halfway down the track and then veered off on a tangent and it didn't follow the plot slavishly. So they kind of wrote these songs all kind of tying yeah. in. And Nico says, uh, all the guys were writing within the concept of that framework. Yeah. Now I, I read a quote yeah. um, that, that Bruce was kind of disappointed that they didn't follow through and didn't become a full concept album. Yeah. yeah. Um, that said, yeah. there's enough here for, you know, the, the, the trouble with a full concept album, if you had like, eight tracks that were bang on one story and it yeah. didn't work and your whole album was garbage yeah yeah i know it's like there's so much there that they could have made a concept album in it's it's still i would still call it a concept album even yeah. though they didn't it's not fully fleshed out but uh anyway and like another quote from bruce he said we wrote the album around steve's house in essex in his old barn which sounds great a good atmosphere to work in we play our respective material and recorded the lot on tape with an acoustic guitar and bass just ideas we had in mind. And then Adrian came around my house a couple of times, and it's at that time we wrote these three tracks on the album. Then we went in the studio. So I guess the three is talking about our Moonchild Evil That Men Do and Can I Play With Madness. Because those are the two, like, Adrian Smith, Dickinson. Oh, wow. Yeah. Imagine hearing that original Evil Men Do. Yeah, just sitting around with an acoustic Yeah, that'd be so cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Man, that would be awesome. Yeah. So they wrote it. Remember we were looking online at uh, Steve Harris's house that was for sale? Yeah. what yeah. The one with the football pitch. Yes. So yeah. I'm assuming that's the house in Essex. And it has, it has the cool, really cool bar. Yeah. Like the old South Park. And the swimming pool and stuff. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. pictures online if you look at it. It's been for sale for a while. Yeah. Although I look recently and it's not for sale in now. Yeah. So they uh, that's where they wrote it all. And then they went to Musicland Studios in Munich, Germany for February and March 88 uh, to record it. And they recorded it with Martin Birch. Okay, yeah. Martin because Day, Martin yeah. Birch had recorded there before. So you know Martin Birch from, he did like yep. Killer's Beast, Peace of Mind, Power Slave, Live After Death, Somewhere in Time, this yep. album, No Prayer, Fear of the Dark. Yep. So most of their classic albums. Yeah. So they came off the Somewhere in Time tour on November 5th, 1987. Then they went back on tour for the Seventh Sun tour, the Seventh Tour of the Seventh Tour, I think it was called. Seventh Tour of the Seventh Tour. April 27th, 1988. So the Seventh Sun album was written recorded mixed produced and released in five months so that's like typical maiden like everything's in a rush although it worked out pretty good this time <laughs> man did it ever one thing you probably notice when you listen to this album is how the sound changed yes uh you know i don't know like i mean the synth piece you know we've we've alluded to it um to me i find a lot of consistency with power slave 
Like I'm not, I don't break down the instruments in like sound. I do find a lot of consistency. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, there's definitely differences, like especially with the you know the guitar synth or whatever it is yeah. that's, that's going. With on somewhere there. in time or with Power Slave? Ah, uh, with both of them. Really? Yeah, that whole the era. Sound, to me I'm is talking about the sound of the album. Well, well, sound definitely for me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, maybe you know, like if you break it down. Some... See, I don't see that at all yeah. because there's no synth. There's no yeah. guitar synth at all. The guitar tones are completely different on those albums. If you took like I see somewhere yeah. in time is like a stepping stone between yep and when albums. and when we when we did summer in time we talked about how it was the first time they started with that it was the keyboard synth they used right and all that right, stuff with the guitar but, synth, but yeah. here here's the way I look at it like because you know sometimes I've got a different perspective on it like I was reviewing some of the stuff we've done and some al- some songs I think they could fit on killers even though it sounds totally different I think of it yeah. as a pace I'm, talking about the and feel. I'm not talking about the songs yeah I'm talking about the sound. Okay. The production, All the right. instrument sound, the tone of the guitars, the way it's recorded, the way it's mixed. Yeah, so it sounds, it definitely sounds different. Yeah. But for me, Evil the Men Do could be on Power Slave. Like that, I just feel it could fit in there. Yeah, but you're talking about the the songwriting. Yeah. I'm talking about the sound. Fair enough. The production. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I understand. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But to me, it's not, they're not that different. You know, like I hear the similarities more than the differences. I think I think you're more tuned, your ears finer, and like you'll pick out the differences. I just I consider it like well, okay, well, listen yeah. to the guitar tone on. Yeah. Uh, let me just pull two two clips here. So that's like a solo from Power Slave. Now listen to this. This is a uh, this is a clip I was going to use for something later, but. So that's just a quick little clip Ooh. from each, but yeah. it sounds it's a lot more processed. It has that like yeah, you know what I mean. It doesn't sound like a natural guitar plugged into an amp. The game yeah. cranked up. Seems like a higher pitch or something. It's like it's more Yeah, it's just the tone of the guitar. Yeah. It's yeah. more processed. It sounds like it doesn't yeah. Doesn't I can sound see as a warm difference. to me. I know I sound like a music nerd talking about song oh. sounds being warm. Yeah. But it sounds very cold and like metallic sounding to me. So this album, yeah, this album's the one where they went from uh the guitar synth you were talking about yeah. earlier to like the full on keyboards. And if you remember from uh it's funny because if you remember the behind the Iron Curtain VHS yeah. that we watched. There's this clip. So that's Bruce. Yeah, he I remember uh, that. totally flipped his, uh, his tune on that one. That guy's accent is the best ever, though. <laughs> you almost feel like he's taking the piss there. I know. It's so no, great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But no, yeah, it was so summer in time they introduced the guitar synth and then they brought right. in the full keyboard. Yeah, so I've got a clip here from that, Bruce. Yeah. I have a clip, yeah, he says, uh, this album's very different from the last album as Number of the Beast was from Killers. Very different. We abandoned the guitar synth for real keyboards. We were originally using keyboard sounds, so why not? And in the history of Iron Maiden Part 3, uh, Bruce says that uh, without the messing around with guitar synth on Summer in Time, they never would have been able to do Set and Sun. So he says, we had all accepted keyboards as part of the palette of colors we could use. So, 
like when we say keyboard synth or guitar synth, I mean, what are we really talking about? Is it just like basically bringing soundboarding instruments in? Like it just guitar synth. Is, yeah, you're playing a, a guitar, an yes. electric guitar. Yes, and that's plugged into something that takes this takes what you're playing on the guitar. Yeah. and processes it into a different like a synthesizer. So it picks the waves in different levels. You right. can set it how you right. like. Right. So what's keyboard synth then? You're playing a keyboard like a piano keyboard. Yes. So that's the difference. Yeah. Not like Ross on Friends is making helicopter sounds. <laughs> well, that is a yeah, that's a yeah. keyboard synthesizer. It is exactly. Totally. Yeah. So yeah, Steve Harris says I saw this interview <laughs> with him on Portuguese TV. He says the last album they used guitar synth, and he says keyboards were better live because there's too many cables and pedals with guitar synth, and it made more sense for like touring and recording. Oh, cool. Yeah. You know, I can I can notice a difference in sound, but to me, they I just put them so close together, like yeah. Summertime, Power Slave. And and yeah. uh, and seven song fit together for me, and I always think like those early years, like you know when Nico came and started to transition. And see, then, I always you know... see the Diano album. Yeah. Then I see Beast. Yes. Peace of Mind, Power Slave. Yes. Then I see a step to somewhere in time as like the step between that and this album, and then after this album, it just goes back to like the killers. <sighs> Attempt I, to be I, I feel like I know you can pick up the snippets yeah. and you'll probably prove me wrong. But <laughs> it's I feel opinion that anyway. What we're it is, about, but but peace of mind feels yeah. more different for me than Power Slave than Seven Sun does. Really? Yeah, it just does. Okay. I don't know why. I mean, maybe it's just I I view that period of time as longer than it actually is, and maybe the changes are not so distinct. Yeah. But Number of the Beast and Peace of Mind fit right together for See, me. Peace of Mind and Power yeah. Slave I always put together as one yeah. to me. Yeah, and, and when, we, when we broke down Power Slave, we more or less talked about that. Yeah. It was like such a... such. But I just feel they're so different. I don't know why it is. They're just so distinct in my mind. And maybe the, the iconic tracks are so different. You know, like... I would put... I'll stand by it. I'd put Evil That Men Do on Power Slave. I could. If you fit it in the right place. And, but, you know, I wouldn't take Where Eagles Dare and put it on... On Power Slave, like you know, I just yeah, I think it could, I think it would fit yeah. in there. Maybe um, it's just my perspective yeah, on it, and no. you know how you get these perspectives on things. Yeah, and, and it has to do with how things. you feel about the albums, yeah. and when you got into the albums, and what order you listen yeah. to them in, and you know what I mean. Like sometimes certain albums will like mesh together because you got into them at the same time, or that's something right. in one reminds you of something else in the other. That's right. But uh, yeah, so that's the main. When it comes to the change in sound, I would say the main change was the addition of keyboards as like yeah. a layer so who was playing them was he one of the crew guys or, or oh michael kenny yeah so michael kenny we brought him up on the podcast before yeah we brought him up yeah. uh because he's basically their keyboard player yeah so michael kenny they call him the count yes so he's steve harris's bass tech and uh so when they do seven son on seven of a seven son he pl- he's on stage with like a mask kind of like a phantom of the opera type mask playing keyboards um, if you look at like the Made in England '88 DVD or on YouTube, yeah, um, you can see him. And he also plays a lot uh, off stage on all the tours since. Like uh, he'll be off stage. If you listen to the live chapter, listen to the live chapter, yeah, uh, live album, yeah. Uh, listen to uh, Book of Souls, the song Book of Souls, yeah. And you, all you'll be able to hear is keyboards now. <laughs> really, there's so much keyboards on that album, but yeah. they weren't on stage. No, he plays off stage. Like oh, plays off stage. Off stage. So, okay. Yeah. So he's he's been there like ever since. So, actually, I actually have a quote from him here. He says, uh, "I played on a few albums. No Prayer for the Dying, Fear the Dark, X Factor, and Virtual Eleven. Around then, Steve started feeling more comfortable with keys and began doing most of it. I'm still around to assist, and I handle it all live." Okay, yeah. so he doesn't get a credit on the album then. I don't think he's played on. He didn't play on this album at all. 
Okay. Although I'm sure he had a big help in like setting up the guitar, the tones and like programming this because you have to program the synthesizer for the sounds and stuff. Yeah, so he Michael Kenny didn't play on the album. If you look at the Seven Sun liner notes, yeah. uh, we have the album right here. It says uh, Adrian Smith lead and rhythm guitars, synth, Steve Harris bass, string synth. So it doesn't have any additional credits for anyone playing keyboards. So I've, I think it's... Uh, there's a quote somewhere where it said, uh, anyone that has spare finger was playing them, because they're pretty simple keyboard parts. But uh, I think it was mostly Steve Harris and maybe some Adrian Smith. Okay. That's, that's what you hear recorded on there. So your album has a different sleeve than mine. I'm reading it here now. Like, yeah, I have like the a... gatefold picture disc is the one uh, I brought over. Yeah. Of course you do. <laughs> I had the regular, yeah. normal person disc. That are a little bit different on the inside. Well, of course, well. <laughs> Fair enough, Nesbitt. Well done. But another thing I find about... We'll get into the songs now, but yeah. one more thing I was going to say is... One thing I find about this, and I don't know if you'll agree with me, but I find the guitar tones on this album... Dave and Adrian, they have like such similar guitar tones on this album. Usually when you listen to Maiden, you know how they do those two-part guitar solos where it's like yeah. Dave and then Adrian or Adrian and then Dave? Yeah. Which features on this album. Yeah. But normally you can really tell when one person stops and one starts by the tone of their guitar because I find Dave Murray has a very distinctive tone. Okay. So when I, that's part of how I can usually figure out mm-hmm. who's playing what. On this album, I feel like they both have very, very similar tones and it's a little harder to figure out who's playing what. I have a, a, a clip here. This is a just it, it's Dave Murray's the first half of the solo, Adrian's the second half, and their guitar tones are almost almost identical. So the pl- you can tell the playing styles are very different. Yeah. But the tones of their guitars sound almost the same to me. They're very similar, especially when they're playing like higher up stuff. I don't know. Like it's very different compared to like when we did Final Frontier. Uh, remember that song Starblind? Yes. Listen to the solo, how you can instantly like recognize Dave Murray's guitar tone when he comes in. Yeah. So you can tell when Dave Murray yeah. comes in because his tone is so unique, yeah, right? Like you couldn't do those. You couldn't do those two parts on the same guitar even if it was one solo. I don't know, but I find, feel like on this album the guitar tones are very similar. We're gonna get into now into the songs, and this is something else that's different. Is well, the intro and the outro to the album. It's the first time you ever hear acoustic. Seven deadly sins, seven ways to win, seven holy paths to hell, and you're tripping again. Seven downward slopes, seven bloodied hopes, seven are your burning fires, seven your desires. So is that, I think that's the first time we ever heard Acoustic Maiden. Is it? Prodigal Son had acoustic guitar on it. Yeah. But it was like an electric song. Okay. But uh, I think that's the first. 
the worst part about hearing that is I just wanted to kick in. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. So Adrian says that this intro was something that Bruce had left over from his acoustic stuff. So I assume this Ooh. is the stuff that he brought for somewhere in time that was rejected. Maybe this was an idea. That's what I'm assuming anyway. Um, so they have this as the intro to the album yep. and as the outro of the album. So it's two different takes. It's not the same at the beginning and the end. Because at the beginning he says, uh, and your trip begins, and he doesn't the second time. And they both kind of end on different notes. So this is, a, a, just for fun, I put the intro and the outro together so you can hear how different they are. Ooh. Seven deadly sins, seven ways to win, seven holy paths to hell, and your Seven downward slopes, seven bloody hopes, seven are your burning fires, seven your desires. So you can see they end on different Ooh. notes. It's kind of cool to hear them together, just and to it hear is how cool different that, they are. Yeah, and it's cool that he recorded it, you know, he didn't... Yeah, they didn't just like chop, it. chop it and put it yeah. at the beginning and at the end. And he, his like strumming's that. a bit different and stuff. It's, it's kind of cool. Uh, lots of mentions of sevens in that, which Ooh. is cool to set up the album. They And they say seven, the word seven, they say it seven times in that little intro. So Really? Lots of sevens before they kick into yeah. the awesome Moonchild, oh. written by Adrian Smith and Bruce Dickinson. Nice. Now we're getting into the album. Yeah. The fun stuff begins. Right. So I have this album, this book called 30 Years of the Beast, and they say that this was recorded in one take, but they don't explain anything else. So I don't know exactly what that means, because I assume that they must have overdubbed a bunch of stuff in the studio. It's, there's a cool song where it comes in, it adds layers, and it builds yeah. and builds, and just turns into this like amazing song. Yep. The keyboards at the beginning, Adrian wrote that part on guitar with a delay pedal. It says in the History of Iron Maiden Part 3. Um, I'm going to play the intro now just because it's so awesome. It's a delay pedal. It well, he wrote it using a delay pedal. Okay. He uh, he. It's a keyboard on the album, but he yeah. wrote it uh, using a delay pedal. Okay. And funny you say that I have. This, I was going to play this later, but I'll play it now. Um, on the Flight Six 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 album mm-hmm. and video, he actually plays this with a delay pedal on his guitar. I have a clip of it here. It sounds pretty cool. So he kind of wrote it with a delay pedal. They did keyboards on the album. And then when they played it live, he went back to playing with a delay, which is it's kind of cool. The other thing I love about the song, Bruce is singing on it. Oh, so great. Such a great, such a great, yeah. great opener. Yeah. His delivery yeah. is just amazing on this. Yeah. His voice has this like rasp to it, but it's not like, he didn't go overboard with it like, uh, you know, on No Prayer when he's like yeah. really, it sounds like he's forcing that raspiness. Yeah. And it's, I think it's it's cool, and part of what makes this sound this album kind of sound like a concept album is where he like Bruce is playing the part of like Satan, 
mm-hmm. in this, where he's like, I am he, the bornless one, the fallen angel watching you. Yeah. And just the way he pronounces it, he sounds so evil. So he's almost like acting, like taking the role and singing in the role of the character. Yeah. Which is very like concepty. It's 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 really cool. Like listen to how expressive his lyrics are when he sings this. So he's so expressive the way he sings it. Like, I don't know. I just love it. Yeah, I, I, that's awesome. Such a great track. I love the solo uh, just because of the seamless transition um, yeah. between uh, Marie and, and Adrian. I just love it. And it's really short. Yeah, so anyway, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's an awesome yeah. solo. Yeah. yeah. I love that too. Uh, like, this song is like, the acoustic intro mm-hmm. into this, like, rocker to open, it gets the album going, introduces the, completely introduces all the themes to the album. Yeah. It uh, gets those keyboards out right away to kind of like, get you used to what you're in store for. It sets up the whole story with the lyrics. This is just a, an amazing opener. They opened the, uh, when I saw them in 2012 on the Made in England tour, mm-hmm. they opened the concert with this. They went, did this and then right into Can I Play With Madness. Then The oh. Prisoner, Two Minutes to Midnight, Afraid to Shoot Strangers, Trooper, Beast, Phantom, Run to the Hills, Wasted Years, Seventh Son, Clairvoyant, Fear the Dark, Iron Maiden, Aces High, Evil That Men Do, and Running Free. It was like amazing, amazing set list. Clairvoyant, Evil That Men Do. Yeah. Seventh Can I Play With Madness. So there's four of them. Yeah. Four tracks there. Yeah. It was, it was a, I, I love the set list for that oh, Maiden England tour. That's so awesome. Uh, I've got, uh, as, as far as like what the song's about, I've got on, on much music interview. I think it was with Erica M. Bruce Dickinson. Remember Erica M? No. Erica M. from Much Music. No. You don't remember Erica M? She was like the main DJ. Of much hats. Music in Canada. Yeah. Wasn't there like the guy George Snuffleupagus and? No, it's St- Steve Anthony, Erica M. No. I don't remember them. Okay. Anyway, Much Music interview when this album came out, uh, Bruce said. Moonchild was basically the devil trying to claim this kid for his own and foretelling all the temptations and all the nasty things he was going to put in his path. Because this kid is born with free will. Good and evil are both trying to claim him. But really, this kid has free will and he's also innocent. He knows nothing whatsoever of all the stuff that's going to happen to him. So, yeah. So then they come out of that and they go right into Infinite Dreams, which is an amazing song. Oh, it is great. So this is 100% Steve Harris solo composition. So, like, they have this, like, balls out rocking opener and then it kind of calms down and like after the opening riff it kicks into this like groove and that's the only way i can describe it it's this total groove and it just sounds awesome cool it's just this like laid back maiden groove you know what i mean yeah. you don't usually think of like maiden sounding like that but this is like yeah it's really cool this is a cool one because um 
Moonchild starts so strong. Yeah. And Infant Dreams, I love this song. But it's kind of chill. I, I always underrate this song. Well, it Not, starts out kind of chill. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And then it winds up. And then Bruce's vocals are great. Yeah. And I love that. But for me, like, well, we've talked about Can I Play With Madness. And I love the lyrics in it. And Evil the Men Do, I've always said, is probably my in my top two, yeah. three favorite songs. So I kind of go from Moonchild. I love Infinite Dreams, but I'm like, you know, I'm always just waiting for the third and fourth song to kick in. So I'm really excited now to get a little deeper on this. Yeah, Infinite Dreams is like... Uh, it's an awesome song. It's really cool. It's very really yeah. progressive. There's enough ideas in this song for like yeah. four or five songs by another band. Yeah. And it's cool. There's no like... It doesn't have a, like a usual song structure. It just kind of flows and flows off and does its thing and it just like builds into this awesome song the drumming in the song is amazing i have a clip here of the uh, the drums from the song just check this out Nico's drum fills in there are just like that's insane really cool little sidetrack um, his son you you linked me his son posted a uh, remember that we was right, playing Where Eagles Dare right yeah. it showed him um, up close with yeah. Nico man he's amazing yeah even at this age like he's just unreal who Nico yeah yeah, Nico, know, yeah. yeah. And, and, at, and at the same time like you know from his first album right yeah still playing that yeah I love it and, yeah he's, yeah, he's unreal that's awesome there's a but the song is it, it's it's a cool song. It does. It starts off like really chill sounding, and then Bruce does this scream, and you always forget about this scream. Yeah. And that scream just like sets off the rest of the song. And That's just so off awesome. It's like rocking whatever um remember before when we did scream versus scream yeah <laughs> now i'm gonna do a scream versus scream versus scream then down and falls comes the rain So Scream versus Scream versus Scream. Which one's best? That's amazing. Mariner, Beast, or Infinite Dreams? Those are all awesome. But the last one is, is amazing where he pulled it back in. Yeah, it starts off like um, out, of, out of control and then it kind of turns into this like tortured <laughs> yeah. scream at the end. That's pretty crazy, man. He's insane. It's cool. I got a, that same uh, Much Music interview. There's a Bruce Dickinson, uh, he says, this quote doesn't really make any sense, but says, Infinite Dreams, the next track is basically... That's what it's about. Infinite dreams. It's terrible dreams he has, which he sees infinity. And he can't deal with that situation either. 
So I know that that doesn't quite uh, make sense what he said, but yeah. I get get what he's saying. He's like, you know, the lyrics in the song are. We'll get into the lyrics later when we get into like the concept and the meaning of the yeah. album. But yeah, Infinite Dreams. He sees, you know, it's just a great ramp up. You know, yeah, it is. It's a really great because uh, they start so strong with Moonchild and then they get into this and the song eases up. I think the song great transitions. The song the very 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 underrated. Incredibly. Like, I think a lot of people forget about the song on there and they because they concentrate on the, some of the more accessible songs. Where this one has a weird sound, song structure and doesn't yeah. have like that chorus you can just latch onto. That's right. So I've got the, uh, the 12-inch single here of Infinite Dreams and it's uh, basically Eddie on a motorcycle with a Union Jack like jumping over a crowd of fans, I guess. <laughs> it's weird. This was the fourth single released from this album. And they released the live version. On the other side is a, a live version of Killers and a live version of Still Life. Yep. And they all came from the uh, Made in England concerts in Birmingham. The cover of Seven Sons really cool. Mm. Then Can I Play With Madness, Evil That Men Do. The other singles, they all have really cool matching kind of this theme. This album cover for the single, it doesn't. They kind of drop the theme totally. And that's because this one came out so far after the album came out that it was basically made to promote that Made in England concert okay. video. So this is more of a promo for like their next project. Yeah. So they kind of dropped that like imagery they had for the Seventh Son, even though it's a song from Seventh Son. Yeah. Okay. I didn't yeah. know there was four single discs. For some reason, I thought there was, but I, I guess I guess I got that mixed up. That's awesome. What's the B side on this? The B side on this is. Uh, well, there's a live version of Infinite Dreams and then Killers and Still Life from the same... They're all from the same concert. Okay, okay. Yeah. So three live versions. Yeah. Okay, Deadly. So that was the, uh, the yeah, so fourth is that, is that really an album single, though? Is that like a tour single? The song album? is... Yeah, the song is from the album. The yeah. version that's on the single is from the live concert for Made in England. So is the album single on it? No, the the studio version is not on this. No. no, okay. But it is still a single of a song from Seven Songs. So it's counted yeah. as the fourth single, even Fair though enough. it's a live version. But yeah, it's weird because you'd think that the four songs, the singles from the album would have like artwork that I'll tie in. But this yeah. one doesn't. It kind of stands out. I don't know what to think of it. It's all right. But I don't know. Eddie on the motorcycle. I'm not yeah, a huge I like fan. it. I like it. I, I like it, but I don't know. Yeah. How... It doesn't really have anything to do with what the song's about. Yeah, not really. Maybe it's just a bridge. Yeah, I think it's know. just promoting. It's like more of a promo for but the Maiden. When did this live come album. out? This well, this came out in '89, so this was like yeah. long after the album came out. Yeah, so not before no, not long before No Prayer. Yeah, so yeah. this was like yeah, well, to promote the Maiden. England. Yeah, cool. So that's uh, that's yeah, track number two, Infinite Dreams, and the fourth yeah. single off uh, the album. And an, yeah, an impressive, yeah. impressive vinyl, that's yeah. for sure. So. I guess we're probably going to, we'll start to wrap it up there, but I mean, the next tracks that we'll look at when we get into the next part of the album is Can I Play With Madness? We've talked about yeah. that previously. I went through my favorite lyrics yeah. of all. Evil that men, can, evil that men do. My, yeah. One of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah. My probably, you know, the peak of the album, perfectly placed in the album. So we've got tons to talk about. We haven't even got into how much of a concept album it is. Right. We'll talk about the together. concept, maybe the story and the lyrics and stuff yeah, in the next episode. That's right. And and we might perhaps have another hundred clips. Yeah, do maybe. perhaps do. <laughs> and we'll um, also do the track, yeah, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. 
So this is a long one. It's let's epic. reflect on this beer, Tom Green Summer Stout. Now you you were doing a lot of uh, uh, review, and uh, you did a good uh, a great book review there. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over here like uh, pounding Summer Stout. This beer, you know what this beer tastes like to me? It tastes what? like Trooper Trooper to me. It is similar to it Trooper. Very little, similar to Trooper. A little sweeter though. Maybe, but to me, it sounds it tastes very much like Trooper, especially when it like do all beer uh, taste like Trooper <laughs> when we're listening to the Maiden. Anyway, the uh, the Tom Green Summer Stout, yeah. Blonde Milk Stout, gets a thumbs up for me. I'll definitely pick up some more of those. Yeah, I'd do that again. Yeah. And what percentage is that? Uh, five. Five percent? Yeah. It's hardly worth it in craft beer world. <laughs> that's, that's driving beers. Um, so we link that on the website, TalkingMaiden.com. We, yeah. we have a beer list on there. Yeah. Okay, that's fantastic. We have the first part of Seven Sundown. This could take... This is going to be a seven-parter. It's a seven-part review. Seven-part <laughs> seven review. This is part one of seven. <laughs> no, so, uh, yeah, right. No. <laughs> um, three parts? I think we can get it done. Yeah. I think it's going to be three. Probably parts. be three. Yeah. And we'll get into some news and, and some various things in the next episodes. Yeah. So we'll cover the various yeah. things. We didn't even talk about the cover art yet. Oh, my God. So there's and there's some interesting the depth on the cover art. Yeah. I like to talk about the tour, too, and like Ooh. that kind of the seventh tour oh stage my God. set and everything. So but much so, to do. Anyway. Take we'll a break and refocus. Next week with a new beer and uh, yeah, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, if you have any uh, comments, questions, concerns, email us talkingmaiden.com. Uh, we love to hear from you. Everything's going great, and uh, we're getting great feedback from our listeners. Yep, fantastic. So we'll leave it there. Yep, closing in on our uh, UK trip to uh, go see the Legacy of the Beast tour. Can't wait. Yeah, up the irons, down the hops. 